to Bourbon and Blood. Tonight's episode, we'll be doing My Bloody Valentine with my special guest, Dave. Yeah, he's from LARPers Lounge, another great podcast on Nerd Life Network. Now, settle in, grab yourself some wine in a hot bubble bath, throw in some rose petals, and get ready to talk about My Bloody Valentine. Here we go. Welcome back to Bourbon and Blood, and I am Daniel, your host, as always, and you can find me on the internet, 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 at Ecto Cooler Ghost, Uh, and again, I'm joined by Dave, who's normally on LARPer's Lounge. LARPer's Lounge. And tonight we are talking about My Bloody Valentine, and we have been drinking, as you can probably tell already. What have we been drinking? Uh, Bullet Bourbon Old Fashions. That's right, old fashioned. So in, when you made these old fashions, you smashed in something. Smashed in cherries. Uh, I just realized there was a cherry in here. Yeah, you had like two or three in there. I just ate one. Threw the orange in there for extra class. Uh, had some some bitters thrown in there every once in a while, but I went cheap uh, because we were watching this beautiful, beautiful movie, My Bloody Valentine. So I got. Collins Old Fashioned Mix. Yeah. I was excited to do one with Dave here because he's a big bourbon whiskey fan. Even though he we brought cheap stuff tonight, he still is the one that teaches me about other bourbons. Alright, so My Bloody Valentine, super romantic. Why don't you give us a rundown of the movie? What's it about? <clears throat> so, My Bloody Valentine... It- we went with the new one, the 3D, 2009. And for the most part, it starts off with uh, your basic news flashes left, right, and center. And then we are presented with Supernatural's own Jensen Eccles in a standard, typical teenage, we're going to go into a haunted mine or whatever, situation mass murders somebody was in a coma somewhere i don't care which 10 years later people are dying same thing dude in a miner's mask killing some people and sending some hearts in a valentine's box that's the rundown pretty much that's that's pretty much what you get with a lot of cheesy uh so it came out in 2009 i feel like i want to watch this again in 2019 because it said, ten years later. Ten years later. Yep, so this is not the 1981 version in which the killer is Axel. And if you've seen the movie, you know who Axel is. He's a cop. Dreamboat cop from Dawson's Creek. What was his name? Gosh, shit, I don't remember. Uh, I thought you wrote him all down. I did. I didn't care about that one. All right, Kurt, yeah, he's not that. Kurt Smith. Kurt Smith, because it was like Kurt Plunk. Kurt Plunk, yeah. Kurt Smith. But uh, That's a silly Hollywood name. It is a very silly Hollywood Chris name. Chris Smith. The whole thing starts with the best line ever. What Happy fucking Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah, because they walk into a hotel room. Happy. Oh, we should clink. Happy. 
Happy fucking Valentine's Day there out there, go. listeners. No, Reese's, Reese's right on Valentine's Day, so all you lonely hearts can listen to this and watch this movie and realize how terrible it is. It's, it's, it's terrible, but it's somewhat entertaining. It was livable. It I was mean, livable. it was watchable. And like, you do, you do have. I own it, so. You do have Jen, Jensen Eccles. Yeah. Um, the whole movie, I just referred to him as Dean, and I only saw Dean the whole movie. Dean of Supernatural, Dean Winchester. Um, also, for those of you who are uh, Blacklist fans, you have a good uh, Megan Boone playing, unimaginatively, Megan. Megan Boone is uh, Elizabeth Keene from Blacklist. Also, uh, Edie Gathegi from X-Men First Class and, and Blacklist. also Blacklist um, this past season playing the awesome, cool Matthias Solomon. Can I ask, I know it's off topic of this movie, but you seem to love Blacklist. What is love Blacklist it. about? Uh, Quick well, synopsis. <laughs> so Blacklist is basically NBC giving, um, giving a, a great amount of time to uh, one wonderful individual who at this particular period of time because I have been so focused on the other goddamn names on here I have forgotten the name of well, that doesn't tell me what the movie's about or show's about at no. all so the show is about, the show is about uh, an individual who comes forward uh, Raymond Reddington, who is one of the top, like FBI's top, most wanted, comes forward, gives himself up, and this individual has a list, list of names of the worst of the worst that the FBI doesn't even have, and he is offering this up, this list, this list up, um, to help them out, as long as he can work with. In particular, this one, Elizabeth Keene, played by um, my, bloody, on her? my Bloody Valentine's Megan Boone. Like, why does he want to work with her? Why does it, That's still up in the air. How many seasons has it been on? I thought it's been a while. Three seasons, and that's still a mystery. The, the, the mystery started off with that he's actually her dad. Um, but, uh, spoilers, I'm not going to keep going. I don't. I'm interested enough to start watching it, but we'll see how it goes. All right. But, moving on. So this movie, <laughs> My Bloody Valentine. James Spader, by the way, is the name that I forgot. And now I remember. The first thing I notice is it jumps into that party scene after the first scene where they're in the mines and the guy goes into the coma. And, like, it's playing some stereotypical 90s, like, rock pop. Yeah. I was just yeah. thinking, like, how often I see that in these horror movies lately, especially because I just watched Cursed and, like, a lot of, like, Scream movies were cut, and then it goes straight to, like, you know, Lit or Smash Mouth or some band playing at some party. I don't know who that band was. One of the things that I noticed was they didn't screw around. Oh, yeah. They hit, they hit the ground running. They started killing everybody on screen as quickly as possible. Blood Everywhere, people cut in half in the hospital. Wonderfully done. Yeah, it looks really beautiful in the hospital. Um, beautiful. 
But another thing that you notice fairly quickly, and you will notice throughout the entire film, is that this was brought out during the period of time, uh, 2008-2009, when 3D was becoming a gimmick again. Trying to get people back in the theaters, trying to pull butts into seats. So, hey, we got 3D technology. Let's film this with the worst 3D gimmicks ever. The shittiest 3D gimmicks. The pickaxe flying at the screen that breaks through the glass and that, like, break the fourth wall kind of way. It it was kind of bad. But at the same time, you can get through it. I mean, it's... it's yeah. No, let's, let's jump into that because the 3D drove me nuts. I mean, there's 3D movies out. Now, well, movies come out nowadays and it comes out in 3D and 2D and they don't need that gimmick. Like, if you see Star Wars... Force Awakens in 3D, it looks good either way. Well, we had that little bit of discussion throughout the course of the film. Is um, during that period of time, 2008-2009, um, much like back in the 50s, 60s, when they did the panorama gimmicks, the 3D gimmicks, they had they had brought back 3D as a gimmick to try and get people to come to the theaters. And during that period of time, because it was kind of new, because the technology was still kind of like fun to play with, every 3D movie that came out came out with some horrid 3D, 3D gimmick. Something flying through the screen. This had a ton of them, though. Like, this had a ton of them. And, and every 3D movie at that time had them as well. But when you watch it in 2D, it ruins it. It does, because you become very, very aware that it, that was filmed for 3D. I saw a, uh, a um, Night of the Living Dead um, remake, whatever, that was brought forward. And, and I sat down and I watched it. And, of course, I'm sitting there like, ooh, it's in color. It's fun. Let's see what they do. Are they going to be... Are they going to be you know, faithful to the original. Are we going to get the, they're coming for you, Barbara. And they did, and they threw on all that stuff. But then later they started throwing in the very, very obvious, like a shoe flies towards the screen for no goddamn reason. And it's it's paying a lot of attention to this thing coming straight at the screen. And it feels really, really weird. As time went on and people started working with that 3D technology that that has been brought in recently in the 2000s, they started getting to a point where they realized, okay, all right, we don't have to throw the gimmicks out there. We can just kind of throw 3D scenes in there, and it's going to look awesome. Actually, it's like, what's the new generation 2010 and up? Yeah. Because this came out in 2009, and back then you also had, like, uh, Alice in Wonderland or whatever. Yeah. The Johnny Depp remake, and that was terrible with the 3D effects. You had... I love the Saw series, but uh, Saw 3D... Uh, Saw, Saw 3D was so cheesy when chainsaws and things were flying out of the screen at you. Yeah, which was not only cheesy and terrible because of the 3D stuff, it had the redemption of being the last. Saw. So it was not the last. It wasn't the last one? No, they keep going. Did they keep going? No, I could, I could have sworn the last, the, the 3D one was the final cut. The last, because that was the one that oh, wrapped maybe. up the yeah. story, brought it all together. I watched Saw, the whole Saw series, from the beginning to the end. Love the first two, suffered through the rest. Now, 
<coughs> I'm the kind of opposite. I didn't like the first two that much, and I stopped watching them. And then this last Halloween, I watched all of them in a row just to say I did it. And watching them one through whatever the last one was, and seeing the whole story play out instead of waiting like a year or so to see how it plays out, it was amazing. Like, I want to buy, like, the Walmart pack of all the movies, because after seeing the whole Jigsaw story, I appreciate it so much more. I thought it was just, like, cheesy shock value, like, horror when it first came out. Like, oh, he cut his foot off. Oh, he's got to do this. Well, so I always liked, I always looked for the story, and Jigsaw was a a slasher villain that I can get onto. I loved... He was a mix of a slasher and, like, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. I loved Michael Myers because he had that that additional story that was almost realistic that coming after his family, and then it fell apart. Um, the, the Hannibal Lecter, or in this case, you had the the slasher, um, slasher killer in Seven. Yeah, um, and that was it had, great. It was it was wonderful, and and I looked towards that story, and that's why I got into Saw um, during the first couple of them because it wasn't just it wasn't just the slasher you know character that was trying to kill people for the you know the fun of blood. You saw them all though, right? Oh yeah, I saw them all. Like I love that even after Jigsaw dies, so much of his plans were still going Keep on. Keep going. Like, I was like, how is he still in this movie? I mean, like, billing-wise. And it all made sense. I mean, the flashbacks, of course, but... Being able to, to see where it began, why he started doing what he was doing, was, was beautiful and was great. Um, and and having that, that character, slasher, you know, villain character, but having a slasher villain character that had... A different twist that he was doing this to instead of trying to just kill people because I want to and revenge and whoo he was killing people because or he was putting people through these 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 tortures to give them a chance to um, change their lives tra- change their lives and 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 reevaluate their lives and then it wasn't until a lot of his proteges proteges and so forth and so on spoilers that's a lion's gate right. Oh yeah, good. Um, so I can, I, I just realized you can tie it back topic. in. We were way off topic, but it uh, is Lionsgate. Also Gate. made by Lionsgate was my bloody Valentine. <laughs> I was like, holy crap! We just spent like five minutes talking about Saw, but I love Saw, so it's fine. Um, but uh, back onto the gimmicks. So I, you know, the the sixties and fifties um, and sixties and the gimmicks. Gimmicks were originally created to try and bring people into the theaters because people weren't going. Yeah. People didn't like it, that sort of thing, whatever. And gimmicks were brought in, the panorama, the 3D. Um, Dark Castle Productions, if anybody can find Dark Castle Productions, they did uh, the remake of 13 Ghosts of House on Haunted Hill. Um, The House of Wax, yes, the one where they kill uh, Paris Hilton. I just watched that. Enjoy it. It's wonderful. I actually did really like it. Um, the Schadenfreude is spectacular. But that production company has been spectacular. And one of the things that they they build themselves on was not only going back and, and, and remaking these old, like, Vincent Price classics, but doing it with um, 
practical effects. Yeah. Uh, we're going to use practical effects, make up uh, real things, not CG, as much as possible. Um, because that's what they did back in the day, and back in the day it was just as freaky, and they do an amazing job. Um, Speaking of practical and special, my favorite but least favorite death in this movie was, it could have looked beautiful, and it was special effects if they left it alone, was the shovel through the head. Like, the girl's head got a shovel through it, and her bottom half could have fell to the floor, and you would have got the idea, oh man, it was severed completely. But no, with the special effects, they had the head slide down the shovel and it looked so cheesy and fake at that point. I'm yeah. like, come on, just leave the head up there. It wouldn't slide down the shovel. You know at the time that they were throwing that in there to give it that look of, like, look what we can do. But you don't need to. Practically, again, I come back, I will always, in horror films, come back to practical effects. Um, 13 Ghosts. Yeah, uh, so which, good. It's spectacular, wonderful. Like the the torn princess. If you have seen Thirteen Ghosts, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, go out and rent it. It's spectacular. Um, the torn princess. It was you know makeup, a ton of makeup. She walked around naked the entire time in a freezing set. They you go back in the like the behind the scenes stuff, and they talk about how she you know. She was a trooper. Everybody else was sitting there in like jackets, and she had to sit there in a robe and then go out butt naked with makeup on. <laughs> and everybody said, "You know, we got no balls compared to what she does." But it was a great, it was a great film. It was another Dark Castle production. And going back to those gimmicks, um, the uh, for those of you who haven't seen it throughout the course of the film. They have these glasses that allow you to see the ghosts that are going on. Um, this was a throwback to the gimmick that was originally done in the Vincent Price original, in which when you would go in the theater, you got glasses, much like you would get for a 3D film. But instead of seeing 3D, anytime you put the glasses on, you could see the ghosts in the film. Anytime you took them off, you wouldn't. We were talking about how cool of a marketing ploy that would be now like especially with like the new ghostbusters they want to sell toys if they sold a ghostbuster toy and it came with glasses and you went to the movie but you didn't need the glasses to see the movie but you put them on and then bam you see new stuff like different ghosts or stuff that's like not necessary to the plot or if they just did stuff like that again that would be amazing wonderful and we can do it now and um and it was mentioned with the the new ghostbusters you could have a film that is completely done that doesn't have any of those. You don't need that. Um, but throw in, like, ghosts over their shoulders that they didn't see. And it would fit completely with with the Ghostbusters theme. Um, speaking of which, we were just looking at the, the photos of yeah. uh, good old Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Um, and a little... Little bike in his costume, cheesing it up, cheesing it out. So excited! So excited! Made me so excited. Um, I felt. Let's see some of my notes. The plot was way too similar to Scream to me, especially just because of the involvement with the cops. Well, yeah, you had you had the situation of um, the 
back and forth red herring with the cops, with yep. the with the sheriff. Oh, I'm here, but oh, I'm not. Oh, this guy attacked me. Oh, the sheriff pops out of nowhere. So forth and so on. Yeah. Um. And and when you mentioned the the connection with Scream, yes, it it has that same feel. Has absolutely has that same feel as you know Sheriff Dewey. Um. But it's also a reminder of they they took the the slasher film trope the the formula and just used it again. Yeah. But in the end, also kind of threw their own twist. Like but this slasher is uh, open to killing little people, which is nice. A lot of them don't do that. <laughs> that was a weird death too. That was that was a weird death and kind of. Gratuitous and unnecessary. Yeah, it really was. Um, the was it Lynn? Not uh, what was uh, the name of the girl that got killed in the mattress frame after that? No, was that the Sarah Palmer? No, no, Sarah Palmer. Sarah Palmer was the primary character. Yes, Sarah Palmer. Sarah Palmer for uh, for gamers. That's Halo, and uh, for everybody else, Twin Peaks. Sarah Palmer. Um, also, the main character in this movie, and she looked a lot like Lindsay Lohan Lindsay in the Lohan. end. And also, not the only homage that existed, as you pointed out. The first two deaths were, oh yeah, uh, was it Jason, Jason, and, and Michael? Yeah, the first two people to die were Jason and Michael as homages to who I don't know. I don't know who they would homage with that. I, I don't, don't like. <laughs> Never heard of a Jason or a Michael in any horror film. So things in the movie that piss me off. There's always little things in horror movies that you're like, Doe, don't run up the stairs, don't hide under the bed. But yeah, those, those, all those were in it. But the big things that piss me off, why hit the alarm after your friend's already been sucked out the fucking window? Out the goddamn window. So you have three, if you remember, three on the wall fire yeah. alarms. That did not get even touched or looked at or acknowledged that they existed until... Your friend was sucked out the window. After everybody fucking died. Her her cop boyfriend was banging that girl, so maybe she was just like, you know what? You get sucked out the window, then I'll hit this alarm. She was devious. Nice. Little Sarah Palmer being horrible. Horrible. Um, You also had the tropes of climbing underneath the bed. Yeah, that was a bad one. Climbing underneath the bed. And not only that, she climbs under the bed... But then when she gets caught, she kicks him in the face, and he's down for a couple seconds. Not a lot, but instead of, like, climbing out and trying to make a run for it, she climbs deeper under the bed. Yeah, she goes right back down underneath the bed like it's going... Oh, like I feel the- safer now. <laughs> I kick you. I climb underneath the bed. Oh, it's like Skyrim. If you don't pay attention to me long enough, my stealth will kick in, <laughs> and I'll disappear. So you don't know I'm here anymore. Um... And that's right after she runs right past. Oh yeah, so the she, wireless phone. It's not even runs past. She runs into the office, grabs the phone, and it's a wireless one. I understand if it was corded, but instead of picking it up and taking it with her, she looks back, sees the killer, and runs off without the phone. Grab the fucking phone. It's wireless. Take it with you. She had her hands on it. Mind you, this is right after she did probably one of the most badass things that I have ever seen. Walk straight out in the middle of nowhere, butt-ass naked. It wasn't middle of nowhere. It was a truck stop. It was a truck stop, butt-ass naked, with an unloaded gun. 
And then throw the gun at the guy's head. And throw the gun like at the guy's head, but she walked and out she like she, him. Like she was gonna own the place. Well, she nothing, she looked hot. Nothing <laughs> but stilettos. That's it. And then she runs in like a bitch. Yeah. Runs past the wireless phone and underneath the bed, like every child. And then uses the bed as this weird force field thing. Like, I feel like the first time he throws his pickaxe and misses her, she should have just pushed that bed against him and then booked it. That's what it looked like she was going to do. I'm going to prepare this thing. You can't get me. And the second that I know that you can, I'm going to push this thing into you, trap you, and run because I'm a badass. I feel like that whole scene was just like, how many tropes can we throw in? How many mistakes can we make this one blonde girl make? All right, and then another thing that bothered me that wasn't necessarily a trope, but everyone is mad at fucking Dean for leaving, even though they all left him at the intro. So in the intro, they're all in this party in this cave, and then half of them survive and run into the car, and then they leave Dean, who's laying on the ground, to die. And then they drive off. He goes in, sees some shit, and escapes. But then they get mad at him for leaving town. They fucking left him to die. For those that don't know, while they were uh, doing their teen party in in the abandoned mine or whatever. Because that's where you want to go for your parties. Because that's where you want to go for your parties. Some random dude comes in and starts killing everybody with a pickaxe. Um, and he has left Dean, because we will always call him Dean, Jensen Eccles' <laughs> character, um, is left What was alone. his actual name in the movie? Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Eh, it's Dean. Steve my me. phone's dead, so I can't check IMDb. And my phone's recording um, this. But he is left alone. Um, there is a moment where the killer is about to get him, and right before they kill, right before the killer kills him, the sheriff and deputy at the time come in and save him at the last second, eleventh hour. Um. He is left alone. That is a very scarring moment. It'd be a scarring moment for me. There is an implied moment where the two of them look at each other and and have that that as he was dying established moment. Um, and then Dean takes off. Then it's a jump ten years forward where they don't explain directly what happened to Jensen Eccles' character or anybody else's. They just imply that the douchebag Axel played by Kerr Smith, has become the sheriff. Um, with Isn't that uh, funny how that happens? Yeah. And has married uh, Jensen Eccles' girlfriend at the time. Miss Lindsay Lohan. Miss Lindsay Lohan. And is banging uh, the other girl that was there. So basically, the guy that stayed behind got to bang the two chicks constantly yeah. that constantly. survived. So, um and then I don't know if we've mentioned this, but the twist of this movie, and you should know it already if you're listening to this, is that Dean is the killer this time. Yes. In the original, uh, which was a... It was the... Carpenter? 1981, and it was Axel that was the killer in the original. Yeah, that was a Carpenter film? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Axel was the original killer in the original. Um, haha, I said that twice. So Axel was the original killer in the... Um, first film in the second film, we get a twist. It's a very implied, very, very implied by the end that it is Axel. 
But at the last second, at the 11th hour, we have this very touching moment. Where Dean sees... Where Dean, which is not Dean, because we can't No, remember. it's Dean. It's Dean. Dean sees the minor guy walk up, and it turns out the minor guy's invisible, and it's actually Dean. And then Dean wakes up, and he goes with Sam, and they start solving ghost mysteries. Absolutely. I totally... No matter what, I mean, especially, I haven't even seen, I've only seen three seasons into Supernatural, but I only see him as Dean now. Okay. This movie, he acted like Dean to me. The second he, well, it's it's Jensen Eccles. He has all the same mannerisms, all the same facial features, stuff like that. Um, I've only seen one season of Supernatural, but I can still say, yay, Dean. Dean. Like, by the time it got to the end, it was established. If you have gotten this far and haven't figured it out, yes, he is the killer. Um, And spoilers, whatever, don't care. Um, (laughs) It is established that he is the killer. I'm still rooting for him because, you know, Jensen. I'm glad in the end he survives. He comes out of the cave in a different mask. He's like, oh, I'm still going. He gives us that third break the third wall, look mm-hmm. into the camera, and then he walks off into all of our dreams. Uh, as you mentioned, into the sequel that never happened. Yeah. And totally never so. will. It's it, a very romantic movie. It's weird that it's called My Bloody Valentine, because I feel like it's got the least amount of like cheesy romance. They did not touch, like, they didn't even come into, this is Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. All they did... <coughs> To establish that it was anything close to Valentine was the Valentine's Day, like, chocolate boxes. That's it. A funny little thing, also. Apparently there was a calendar in it that said, or a poster that said, celebrate Valentine's Day this Saturday, the 14th. So that means (laughs) Friday was the 13th. Nice. Little thing I I read on IMDb. That's very, very cute. Very cute. Clever little cuteness. Um. Throwback to all the other slashers. Dun dun dun. This was released 2009, January 16th. I know this because it's my birthday. Um, and I went to go see it that period of time. Uh, I saw it 3D. The 3D was cheesy. I do recall coming out of it going, eh, the 3D wasn't that bad. It was kind of, you know, it was fun. Back then it was, it was probably fun. fine. Back then it was, you know, spectacular because it was it was there kind of uh, not in your face like all the rest of the stuff, but still in your face. Yeah. As a, <laughs> yeah, as a remake, as a remake, it was decent. It's 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 entertaining. It's worth it's worth taking the time to sit down and watch. It's not great cinema, but if you like a horror film, if you want something to kill some time, it's not bad. It's it's not bad at all. What's your favorite horror movie remake? Oh Jesus. Horror movie remake. Um You can think about it. What do you think? I would say mine, honestly, is Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Because I, I mean, I could, I, or no, uh, yeah, I'm still going to go with Dawn of the Dead, but I'm going to throw a shout out to the uh, Evil Dead. Because the Evil Dead remake was just beautiful in a different, whole different story, like, realm. But the walk, or the, 
Uh, Dawn of the Dead remake was totally different, but yet it was a, a good zombie movie. Yeah. It still kept with, like, the whole mall scenario. <laughs> so, yeah, it... That, uh, you bring up the Evil Dead remake. So good. And I cannot let that pass. That was... Very well done. That was a period. That was that was a remake in which they took what was intended and made it what was intended. You know, it's funny. The original Evil Dead did not. Well, they didn't have a lot of big budget. No. So it's funny is I, I I mentioned the Evil Dead remake, but I was like, oh, I need to get off the subject because in the past two podcasts we've talked about the Evil Dead remake. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is becoming an Evil Dead remake have you podcast. Se- have you seen the show? The show? Uh, not you, yet. I'm waiting because I have not seen it, and I want to watch it all in a row. So, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, but have seen Evil Dead 2, take Evil Dead 2 and then make the connection over. Take Ash from the period of time where he was awesome and amazing and wonderful, and then make him fucking old and useless. And then do a show. That's awesome. It's spectacular, and they have just greenlit it for a second. Yes! All right! Okay, so Evil Dead, the remake, is definitely, will always be an honorable mention. Will always get a lot of attention. All right, but you have a favorite besides that. I cannot pass up giving... Giving credence and giving respect to 13 Ghosts. Oh, yeah, yeah. You seem um, to be a big fan, which I also love. I Ghosts. can't pass. Matthew Lillard. Matthew Lillard. Um, Tony Shalhoub. I almost wish we would have did that movie now tonight. <laughs> I, will happily, right now. I will so happily good. come back for a... a, a uh, uh, Movies like cast for that. Movies but, like that are amazing to do. Like I just did Cabin in the Woods last episode. And you know how like there's a million different plans, like all the different monsters that could have been released. Yeah. Like in Thirteen Ghosts, we could talk about like all the different ghosts and what they've done, or like more backstory on them, because those movies leave so much to the imagination. And here's a, here's a, here's a pullback. Here's a pullback. Since we were talking about Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. Army of Darkness, the uh, wonderful chicken Army of Darkness. And right now, I can't remember her name, but she was the. Uh, I may be bad, but I feel good. Chick was in the remake of Thirteen Ghosts. Was she? She was the gypsy chick that shows up at the Shit. end. Oh my god! So, so I want to make a quick point out that. Dave's scrap piece of paper because he likes to doodle when he's doing this has like hearts, Dean, Alex, hearts, hearts, Dean, Alex. It looks like a high school girl's thing. I think he's just doodling, but it's funny. I'll do. I'll do it some more. Like, it looks funny. It, we'll put a little heart, light. Dean, heart, heart. Alex. <laughs> it's the Valentine's episode. We're allowed to do that. Yeah. Speaking of, do you? Have, oh, I like that. Oh. Uh, do you have a horror movie? Female, either like a villain female or a horror female that you just have a huge crush on in cinema. So or book you well oh, or video game. You, I know I'm throwing them out you. there for you. All right, so 
like you you prep this at the beginning and then of you didn't everything. think about it at all. I didn't really think about it at all. But even if I did, I had two hours to do it. That's plenty of time to think about ladies you think are stunning. Not for me, I think too much. <laughs> and I'm, I have a wide array of reading books and seeing movies and playing video games. But I'm gonna throw out a, I'm gonna throw out a few here. We've got uh, Kate Beckinsale. Fair, from your fair. underworld uh, <sighs> theory, so I've. Do you realize they're making that into a TV show now? That makes me sad, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that I makes love me really, underworld. really sad. I don't know if I saw the last one, but the whole Lycan versus vampire storyline and sh- the soundtracks really- are fucking amazing. That's one of my favorite Bowie songs. Throw it to the guy that we just lost, but bring me the Disco King, the remix for that first album. It's got Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh my gosh, that whole first soundtrack is so good. All right, sorry, I got really excited about the soundtrack. Give respects to the Black Star Bowie. Yeah. Um, and I've like I only really paid attention to the first. Um, the second I, was good. The uh, yeah. soundtrack was lame. Be- sorry to go back at soundtracks, but at that point they realized people like the soundtrack, so they took all the like screamo emo bands of the early two thousands, well, which were fine. But like, they some of them were good, some of them were bad. But it's like Aiden, My Chemical Romance, stuff like that. But it's yeah, all remixed. Yeah. The first one was more original soundtrack. Um, all right, back to you. A Kate Beckinsale. Uh, so a shout out goes to Monica Bellucci. Um, when you go to to things like video games, you got like uh, the the um, Prince of Persia, Warrior Within. She played the voice of the... Never played a Prince of Persia game. They're good. They're fun. But she also had uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf. If anybody has not seen that, including you, that shit needs to happen yesterday. Is that a wolf movie? Brotherhood of the Wolf is um, a French movie. uh, Gives the impression of like a werewolf. Um, You missed it. January was my werewolf month, and I didn't even mean it to be, but like I saw like five different werewolf movies that I had not seen. Plus, I saw the few that I did own. Like I, werewolves just took over January, and I don't even know why. So this one has a twist, um, but I will be throwing this to you at some point. You will watch this because it needs to happen. I'll watch it's it. Wonderful, and Monica Bellucci is wonderful. This is pre, like, The Matrix and stuff like that when when she became very big in America. Um, but the last nod that I need to give is for anybody that took the time to watch this past season of American Horror Story. Ooh. Lady Gaga. I watched the first five episodes and I got super behind, so I'm just waiting now. She... I loved it, though, what I saw. What, she surprised the shit out of me. I Like, I figured we'd get the basic, you know, hmm, look at me, I'm going to do some weird stuff, like uh, the bad romance video, but for a season, she came out, I was shocked when she... I sat there and I watched the Golden Globes when she got... Uh, Golden Globe, and I was, I was rooting for. I'm rooting for like Emmys and that sort of thing. She did a really good job, and she she presented herself as 
a very good figure. This season was pretty goddamn spectacular. I'm excited to finish it. I didn't hate Circus. We'll get on the top of American Horror Story for a minute. Yeah. I love the first season. I fucking... My favorite is the second season. I love Asylum. And I know the Alien story was a little off topic for me, but every other story, and I love how many stories are in that season. Mm-hmm. Coven is the only one I wasn't a huge fan of. It started really strong, and then I felt like it got really bland. Circus was the same way, but I still like Circus all the way through. Yeah. I feel like once they killed the clown, what was his name? Uh, Tasty the Clown. Yeah. Like, I loved him, and I thought he should be like a villain through the whole thing almost. I still enjoyed the whole season, but it died down halfway through. Same with the first one. Or, not first one. First one was great all the way through. Mm -hmm. But... So first and second were my favorite, and I really liked the way Hotel was going. Did you see what the new one's going to be about? I have there's rumors heard it's going to be on rumors. a ship, and there's also rumors it's going to be about Slenderman. I have heard rumors about Slenderman. I have also heard statements that that has been debunked. I also heard the ship was a big talk, though. But the ship, however, I, I have cool heard concept. rumors, and that's a good concept. Um, keeping, uh, keeping so is American Horror Story over? For the season, yes. Okay, because um, I have it recording, which means I might have all of them on my DVR. I might have to spend a sick day. You absolutely need to spend a sick day and take that time. <coughs> uh, so, Coven was... Coven had its... Coven was the first one that, that I came to the end and went, I want more. Yeah. Um, it did not feel like a, a horror story. It felt like a fun witch show. They and could that, have did so much more with witches, I feel like. They they could have done a, a bit more, and it really did feel, when you get to the end, that they could do a bit more, which I'm not going to proceed any further, uh, because you haven't seen any more. Fuck. Uh, oh, excuse me. I always ask my guests, what are they afraid of? Like, what's something that actually scares you in real life? This one I have been thinking about for a while. Um, since I first listened to the earliest episode, go take it. Um, Let's finish it. Okay. <laughs> it was actually a previous guest, Angela Steffi. Um, oh, don't say it. Is it the same? No. Okay, because last episode I had someone that also was afraid of post, like human nature, after in a post-apocalyptic world, and I agree that's a scary thing, but it's a very common answer these days. It's a very common answer, <laughs> and it's the, a terrifying thing. For the longest time, I have always said being alone was okay. the thing that made me. Oh, that's strong. It is here. Killed. I'm no, good. Oh shit! We killed everything. We killed everything. We drank it all. I'll add some more bitters. Bitters. There you go. Anyways, what are you afraid of? I've always said being alone was... Oh, it's like soy sauce. It, it Don't put too much in, <laughs> and you will bitter. understand why. Being alone has always been one of the things that I've, I've indicated as the thing that I am most afraid of. Um, it's coming to the end and it, it, dying alone, you know, coming... To that end, and, and not having people completely understand That me. was also, on my last podcast, someone's fear. 
I feel like everyone's afraid of the same stuff. No one's afraid of spiders um, or snakes. <laughs> I am arachnophobic, but I have started to get over it. Oh, that's good. Um, mostly because of the the LARP that we go to. Because if you don't get over it, well, you're screwed. There's spiders they're everywhere. everywhere. Um, but so it, being alone. Being alone. It is that... It's not the actual physical being alone. It's not the sitting there and not having people around. It is the coming to an end and not having anybody to understand you. And I have, in the last number of years, had so many people who do understand me and do keep me in that that place of not being alone. I have uh, my best friend who... Um, I'm gonna be a groomsman for, and I have my fiance, uh, one of the LARPers Lounge ladies. For Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. So I even have a guy sitting right here who knows at least the same degree that I do. Um, so <laughs> it's it. I have enough people around me. But to have all of that go away, that terrifies me more than anything else. I feel like the more I hear people say that they're afraid of being alone, the Twilight Zone episode where the guy's completely alone on Earth and those glasses break, I feel like that just gives so much more, like, a deeper sense of fear. Before, because I'm not afraid Burgess of being alone. Burgess Meredith. Oh, I'm glad you know. Burgess Meredith. I am a huge Twilight Zone fan. I love Twilight Zone. I'm... Currently running through X Files and Twilight Zone, like on different nights, because I've seen a lot of both, but I've never seen them through. But anyways, so but yeah. that episode, like I'm not afraid of being alone. I'm kind of an introvert extrovert. Like there's times I like yeah. being around people a lot, and there's times I love being alone. Like I just Absolutely. don't want to be around people, which is terrible sometimes. But like being alone to me doesn't scare me as much as half the people I know. Like I feel bad for people. <laughs> Well, it, and it's I'm the same way. I I was I'm an I'm an introvert that learned to learned to be an extrovert to a certain degree. Um, I had depression. And I was diagnosed when I was 16. Um, I have bipolar, so that's why I'm an introvert extrovert. Like, and yeah, I would love to be around people, but then when I'm in my mood, I would love I would to not like be around not anyone be around, in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, for me, it's it's long periods of time. I don't want to be around anybody, and say, and, and long periods of time that I need to be around other people. But it's that, it, it's yeah, it's that weird, not. It's wanting to be alone, but not wanting to be alone. Wanting to be alone, but knowing that when the time comes, there are people that are willing to be there. Yeah. We'll be here. But I want to thank you for being on the podcast, Dave. Thank you. And anyone who hasn't seen My Bloody Valentine, it's a cheesy, fun flick to watch. I know we talked about it maybe 30% of this podcast, but we had good conversation, and that's what it's all about. Also, Valentine's Day is coming up. In fact, when you're listening to this, it's probably Valentine's Day. It is the perfect movie, the best romance Listen to it today. I don't know. I feel like The Shining is more of a romance movie. 
See, you told me, <laughs> you told me I couldn't do that. No, it's just too long. I know. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Nerd Life Productions on Facebook and on YouTube, and make sure to listen to Larper's Lounge on the Nerd Life Produ- Nerd Life Podcast Network, along with mine, and also Nerd Life Roundtable, where we just talk about random shit. And as always, stay nerdy.